Welcome to Disrespectfully Agree with Oatman and LJ. I'm LJ Cross. Me is Mr. Oatman. I am Oatman in the house, baby. What's up? I apologize in advance for Mr. Oatman. He's suffering from allergies at the moment. Suffering is not even a word, baby. (laughs) So forgive him. This week, we are going to tackle Mission Impossible Fallout. If you've seen any of the previous Mission Impossibles, or at least the last three, you know what you're getting here. Tom Cruise is a secret agent. He is perhaps compromised, perhaps accused of being compromised. There's intrigue, a lot of twists. And it turns out Tom Cruise isn't a bad guy by the end. Who knew? Who knew? Shocker. Do we really need spoiler alerts? Yeah, well, a little bit. We'll have to get into spoilers a little bit later. We'll let you know when that happens. To start, Oatman, where are you at on the franchise? You know, I was shocked uh, when I saw this film because, I, you know, I was so not in this Mission Impossible because it just always is the same story. It's the same... You know, it just, it never changes. I mean, you get a little bit of the bang for the buck. You get some good action scenes, but it's nothing that excites me. And I was surprised at how pleasurable I found some of the turns in this movie, even though none of them were surprising. All of them were cliche. Uh, there was nothing special. I mean, I, I should hate this movie, but I, I kind of enjoyed it. I, I went along with the ride. But I, w- I will tell you now, boy, there is no twist that you will not uncover Immediately, I mean, it's, I mean, you immediately know. Okay, that's that's the guy. That's the one that's going to turn, and this is going to happen. I mean, there is no twist here that is hidden or particularly well executed. It's just a very well done action movie with really great action sequences. I like some of the foot chases. I like the car chases. There's a really kick ass uh, like helicopter chase in here, which I thought was particularly well done. But short of that, there's nothing surprising here. There's nothing new, but it is executed at such a high level. Uh, I did find some enjoyment with it. I wouldn't give it an A. I probably wouldn't even give it a B plus, but I might give it a B minus to a C plus. I mean, you, you put it best, I think, LJ. You know what you're getting. It's like open up a can of Spam or something, you know, if you, when you're really hungry. Put that on the Blu-ray cover. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, you know what you're getting, you know what's good, you know what's bad. There's nothing new here. There are no twists and turns that will come close to surprising you. I guess the whole episode is spoiler filled. Uh, yeah. There's no, we're not doing any non-spoilers, I guess, for this one. Warning. So, enjoy. I mean, I was literally sitting here, the first frame of the film, one of the first frames of the film. I leaned over to my wife who I went to go see it with, and I was like, that's not Wolf Blitzer. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's just not him. That didn't happen. There was no... Well, early in the film, there is this sort of simulation of of a catastrophe, or there's this idea that a catastrophe has occurred. I did not buy into the catastrophe for one second. I knew that the catastrophe was in some way some kind of fabrication. I was like, this early in the movie, this level of catastrophe, uh, no. One of the characters in the uh, film says it best. He says, uh, you guys are just like guys who dress up for Halloween. And I kind of felt that line. And I felt like, yeah, this is just Halloween. I don't believe this. And I think that is unfortunate because I think some of that dramatic irony could really heighten the tension of a film. But none of it exists in Mission Impossible. You never buy the twists and turns that they try to feed you. It almost seems like they don't even really try hard. But it is a well-executed action film. It's good at that. Tom Cruise is great. He looks great. He moves great. His stunts are great. I enjoyed a lot of that. This film 
in the post J.J. Abrams era of Mission Impossible feels the most like an episode of G.I. Joe. I get that. Yeah, it, like there are no real stakes. It's almost in a car- no. It's mean, very cartoony, cartoonish world. The the characters I agree. that get tricked are tricked because they are cartoonishly stupid. I agree. And here's the thing about I learned something about Ethan Hunt, the character in this movie, that I didn't know before. It turns out Ethan Hunt, I, I think, is a bad actor because <laughs> he has to go undercover here. And you don't buy it for him. Every Not time for something second. bad happens, he immediately looks like, oh, no, this I can't allow this. He's very upset at the bad thing that happened, but his character would not be. Exactly. He is no poker face. Exactly. He's absolutely no poker face whatsoever. Exactly. There are a couple times where he is supposed to be enticed into doing something bad. He doesn't want to do it. And he just looks like the most horrified person, which his character would not be. No. Yeah, he, it's no he, he's a bad agent. <laughs> he, they set it up, and the opening scene in this film is Ethan Hunt making the wrong choice. He saves his team or one of his team members when he should have been saving the world. And instead of saving the world, he saves his team members, and they nobody keeps their eye on the ball. They lose the nuclear ball, as it were. And Alec Baldwin says, you know what? You know why I believe in you? It's because you chose to save one man over millions. Yeah, the stupidest, like, what? Say again? Uh, that's the stupidest <laughs> line in the film. Like, what? Say again, Baldwin? Yeah, what? Uh, hmm? Baldwin says what? <laughs> and, idiotic. And Angela Bassett comes in with the correct interpretation that's of these the events. Job. That's the job. That's the job. So in addition, and, and he has a line later on where he says, I kill women and children with smallpox. And he said, I'm a bad man. <laughs> it says something to that effect anyway. And you're like, no, is anybody buying this? Well, not only that, and, and don't get me wrong, I don't need much to buy the I'm a man, man trying to build a world up here, but there's no reason that has never explained why they want to, why they want to wipe out the world. It's funny, in, in some ways, it's a much. It's because the world would be better. It's a it's much. The, it's, it's the Thanos. Much, the Thanos. Yeah, that's what thing. I'm about to say. Yeah. It's a much more poorly executed Thanos kind yeah. of, but, but in Thanos, he really has a reason. Like he, he articulates it far more clearly. It's not articulated here. It makes no sense. They just want to, we want a new world order. We're going to blow everything. It makes no sense. And it's not really well articulated of why they want to wipe out millions and millions and millions of people. And, and also in, in the Marvel film, there's this wonderful scene. I, I think it's one of the best scenes in the film where Thanos has done what he, he's had to do and he's committed this atrocity for what he thinks is the betterment of the world. And he's sitting on this rock and he's actually reflecting. He's having like a moment in which he's he's reflecting and, and it's almost uh, a it's a burden on him. He has to do it for the good of other people, but it's a burden. He doesn't want to necessarily do it. The, he feels that he must. None of, none of that complexity is here with these guys. Well, just By contrast, the ultimate bad guy in this says, leave me here with the bomb because I, it's time for me to whatever i'm yeah. i'm done this is the this is the end of the line for me and you're like well why is that well i'm guessing the reason why is because this final chasing is going to be way more complicated <laughs> if we have two villains we really need yeah it, one it, it makes no sense or at least two chasings instead of one it, it, no it, it okay but in any case let me say this i enjoyed it 
<laughs> yeah, I, I, After all that, I mean, it's fun. Christopher McQuarrie wrote and directed this. He did the same for the last one. For me, Mission Possible didn't become Mission Possible until 3, when J.J. Abrams took over. And I think that's probably the best in the series. After that, Brad Bird took over, and that one's fine. Christopher McQuarrie took over, and he, he's done a, a decent enough job, I guess, for what this is. Yeah. But it's it's impossible, pardon the pun, to keep... The story's straight anymore. Yeah. Everything meshes into each well, other. there's no attempt. It's also samey. There's nothing, there's no attempt to do anything fresh. No. I mean, just no attempt. I mean, you know, put it in space. I don't care what you do, but just do something that's different. But I, I think it was one of those things where it's like, hey, we're just going to give you what you want. Yeah. And we're not going to try to make it different. We're not going to, you know, we're going to give you great action sequences, which are, the action sequences are amazing. They're amazing. I'll give them credit for that and the practical effects and the practical stunts. I love yeah. that stuff. That's it's, all great. It's awesome. But what made Mission Possible 3, in my opinion, the best is the human element. There were characters there. There were stakes there with people and characters we cared about and we were concerned about. And there was actual drama and tension between those characters. There's none of that here. When they have that scene where Ving Rhames sits down and talks to... Ving Rhames is a damsel now, by the way. Yeah, he really is. <laughs> he's always getting kidnapped. He does he's nothing. Just, yeah, the, the guy held a gun to his back. He's just like, ah, what do I do oh, here? Oh, help me, help me. But when, when Come on, he, Ving, you're a trained agent. What when, the hell? Yeah, when he has that scene and he's talking to her, talking about Ethan and, and his emotional stuff, I'm like, this is the most ridiculous uh. scene. Why is this in the film? Why are we pretending that there are characters here? Why are we, why are we taking time out so you can talk to about Ethan Hunt's heart? I mean, it's so it was so ridiculous. Which brings me to Michelle Monaghan, who I think is a is a good actress who never really got her due. She was in Mission Possible 3. That's where she was introduced. We've seen her here and there post then. Great and Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. And ever since then, she's just kind of been sidelined. And she is again here. I mean, she's back briefly, but wasted. Again, it's the only reason we care about these characters is because if we do it all, is because of Mission Impossible 3, and they're just resting on those laurels. Well, yeah, I mean, you can almost insert any actor in this film, and it really won't make a difference. I mean, insert Pretty Girl here. I yeah. mean, she brings nothing to it. I did like the agent character who was a female. Oh, British. yeah, she, she was in the previous film. She was yeah, good in that, too. She was, she was very good. I enjoyed her. She's better in that because, again, there's more of a character yeah, in the previous more film. Yeah, there's more But, I mean, it was, you know, having said all that, I think it's an enjoyable film. It's like a, it's a matinee kind of film. You want to yeah. go enjoy a Saturday night with some action and some bangs and some thrills, go for it. But this is not a movie I will own. No, you know, it's it, not a movie that I will own, and it's not a movie I'll watch again. I don't think so either. It, it, Mission Possible 3 is a movie I return to now and again. Yep. And this one, I, I won't. Even the, what was the Brad Bird film, I'll, I, I'll occasionally return to, but it's just not, this is as disposable as it comes. I agree. Is is Tom Cruise, can he run still? He runs pretty damn He well. runs amazing. He runs yeah. better than I can. But I feel like this is the first sign of the Tom Cruise run might not be what it used to be I anymore. I don't know. He looked pretty damn good in this film. I mean, he those, those scenes where he's running across that roof, my goodness, it, it, it looks good to me. Why did, and by the way, why did we have to have that all that running when a car would have... Because it looks cool. Oh, right. No, no other reason. Okay, right. But I, mean, I, I apologize. I, I think he runs great. He looks great. He's still he's still the best runner in the business. But yeah. I, I'm worried his his running days are starting to I don't wane. Know. He looked pretty good in this film. I'll you know, that. he he's five years older than Wilfred Brimley was when he shot Cocoon. 
Really? Can you believe that? No, he's not. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Put that in your noggin. Boy, that's a head. Ponder that one. Yeah, that's a head. (laughs) He's five years older. Yeah. No. Yep. Um, I think we need to talk about the elephant in the room on this film. I am not a huge fan of Hans Zimmer. Hans Zimmer, uh, the bad guy? Nope. He is. Oh, that's the music. Is that the, the score? The composer. Oh, my God. You and this composer. You need sense. to get off my back about composer my, talk. My Lord in heaven. That's the elephant This in the is room. what everybody has <laughs> been waiting for. I was just talking to my dudes the other day. Man, that Hans Zimmer is on some bullshit. I, I can't stand it. People love the Hans Zimmer. I'm not a huge fan. He, his <laughs> his modest operandi oh is a go. lot of... May I? Go, go for it. May I please? Yeah, you may. Sorry. His modus operandi is a lot of repeating phrases and escalating tones to more or less increase or heighten the drama. He's not that into melody or themes, with some exceptions. He's done some good work. Well, the height of his kind of tone stuff is Inception, just that increasing, pulsy, kind of just repetitive noise thing, which is effective in its own right. Sherlock Holmes, his work on that actually is quite interesting. He's got some interesting themes and phrasing going on there. But as much as I'm not a fan of Hans Zimmer, I despise Hans Zimmer copycats. There is such a thing. That's who conducted the score for this film. Lorne Balfi, if I'm saying that correctly, or Lorne Balf. He has worked under Hans Zimmer on films. He's done what I think the technical term is work Hans Zimmer didn't want to do on his own films. Uh, some extra additional compositions for things like the Sherlock Holmes movies and Inception and so forth. He's a lone composer on this movie, and it is boring. <laughs> It is as dull as could be. It is the worst kind of Hans Zimmer copycat schlock. And the only time anything in the score works here is when they cut to the actual theme. The mission, when the Mission Impossible dun 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 kicks who, in. Who, That's the only who part. Guys, Green Earth would even know this. What do you mean? I mean who, who would know this? Why, you keep. You got to stop asking the same question every right. time this comes up. You're right. <laughs> it's not going to change. Okay, so I got to change. There are fans. There are people who pay attention to this stuff. I guess. Unfortunately, I'm one of them. Score nerds. Or people who just appreciate film and the way it is conducted and composed. Fair enough. And it's there for a reason. And when it's not well done, I have a problem with it. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's it. I'm done. (laughs) Okay. So to conclude. Oh, it's fine. The, the film is fine. It's enjoyable. Tom Cruise is good. But of all the Mission Impossible movies, this is the one that has the least character stuff in it. I agree. I think it's the most cartoonish. And yeah. that's, that's really saying something for a film that is so incredible and impossible in its scope to begin with. But this is definitely the most cartoony. I agree with that 100%. I, I would hope for better next time around. If they do another one, I, I imagine they would. I agree. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, wherever podcasts are sold for free. Our website, disagreepodcast.com. And do us all a favor and tell a friend about the show. Just one person, friend, loved one, family member, somebody you think might like it, just tell them about the show. It's the only way we'll really be able to grow this thing. Or if you hate the show, uh, tell an enemy. Oh, yeah. That mathematically works. (laughs) And with that, we will talk at you next week. Bye. Peace and chicken grease. Wolf of Brimley. I don't know. I have to look it up. Uh, I mean, at the time?
Yeah. We want to take some. We'll, you want to take a moment to? I'll look this up. Hold on. No, no, we can do it later. But okay. I just found it interesting. I mean, I could be wrong. That is my understanding. That could be true, or LJ could be lying. I'll cut that out if I'm wrong. Yeah, let's play our favorite game. Let's assume it's right. Okay, let's assume. It's let's right. assume LJ's right. That's the way I like to live. Yes, LJ is delighted the way. You're right. 